0: goal for 2022 for our youth group, our mission statement is to be a blessing. And so all throughout 2022, we're seeking ways to bless others in our community, in our schools, in our homes, in our surrounding areas. Uh, We're going to do this a lot of ways by mission work, mission projects, but also just helping people out, you know, sharing the gospel, sharing God's love, inviting them to church, in different ways like that. And so over the last few weeks in our youth, we talked about, you know, why is it important to bless people? What, is it, what does that actually look like in the Bible? What does that look like biblically? And why is that important? And then we also looked at, you know, just um, why we set this goal for ourselves this year. I think our youth group over the last few years, we've I poured into them, and Gracie has as well, uh, a lot about you know, how to grow in your faith as a Christian, you know, how to resist temptation and how to uh, be the best Christian you can be. And we're still going to go through that route this year, but I wanted to take kind of what they've learned over the last few years and now apply it and start teaching others and start leading others, uh, inviting your friends to church, inviting your unsaved friends to church as well. And so we have three big goals for the year in 2022. Uh, each person I kind of challenge them with in our youth group is number one is to pray, to spend a little bit of time each day going through God's word. Uh, I lay out some Bible reading plans for them that are pretty easy and kind of manageable to start your way off with. And then if you've been reading the Bible for a while, and you want to challenge yourself. You can do a little bit of extra reading as well, um, but just something kind of simple to get in God's Word each day. Because if you're going to bless other people, you need to make sure you're being filled with the Spirit as well. Because you can't pour out if you're not being poured into. And then, um, number two, our number two goal this year was to find somebody to pray for throughout the year. Somebody you know has been struggling, either with sicknesses in the past year, or you know, a loss of a family member or a loved one, or just. Maybe they're just going through a hard time at school uh, to pray for them in 2022. And then the last part was to witness, to find one person this year that you know is not saved in your family or your friends at your school and seek ways you can witness to them. Invite them to church, invite them to an event, uh, find a way you can actually pull them in and introduce the gospel to them. And I said, this one might take a little bit of a challenge. You may have to pray and seek advice and wisdom from God for a little while, but eventually You know, find a way in 2022 to pull them in and start getting them involved in church or to share the gospel yourself with them. Uh, And so our three goals are to, you know, read, pray, and to witness. And I think that we can do that throughout the year, each one individually, as we do group activities together, as we do things as a church. uh, That will help us to be a blessing to those around us. So tonight's lesson, though, we're going to kind of put a a cap on being a blessing, uh, the introduction part of it here, on how can we bless God? This is an interesting concept. We think we talk about blessing other people. Uh, and it's, it's pretty easy to think about ways you can help your neighbor or your friend that's struggling. Uh, you know, you might have somebody that's elderly that needs help around the house, or you may have somebody that, you know, maybe needs some food delivered to them. There's a lot of ways you can bless people. But when you say, how can you bless God? Sometimes that becomes a little bit of a harder question and a concept because it's not something we talk about a lot, and it can be a little bit confusing at times. And so we're going to talk about... You know, the number one person we should be trying to bless in our life is God. And how do we do that? What does that look like in a daily life? And so, if you have your Bibles, our key verse is in Psalms 103 tonight. We'll be in Psalms 103. And uh, this is verses 1 through 5. It's kind of our key verse for tonight. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And um, if you think about the song... You know, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know, that's a common song that we sing in church, especially growing up. Um, but some of us don't really know what it means to bless the Lord. We just kind of think because it's catchy and it, and it comes out right out from the Psalm 103 passage. And um, so I did some digging this week to kind of find out for myself as well, you know, what does the word bless really mean in that passage? And it says the Hebrew word translated to bless in the Old Testament actually means to kneel, which is an interesting concept. It says carrying the idea of honoring the Lord. Humanity doesn't add anything to the Lord when they bless him, but we do worship him for, he, for who he is, and, and we bless him. In Psalms 16.7 and Psalms 104.1, the Lord desires people to bless and worship him. From the earliest biblical accounts, the Lord calls people to honor him through worship in every phase of their life. And then if you go into the Old Testament and you look through the, the, some of the stories of the patriarchs, Moses instructed people to worship the Lord, and the Psalms are filled with such instructions. And if you really look into the word, bless the Lord, uh, and then the concept of praise the Lord, those two things actually really go hand in hand. Uh, In John 4, 24, Jesus instructs worshipers to worship him in spirit and truth. And so blessing the Lord really means to praise the Lord. Now, I think it's an interesting concept that the word to bless in Hebrew, the word bless in Hebrew actually means to kneel. It's so an interesting concept. when we talk about blessing the Lord and we sing those songs in church and on Sunday mornings, you know, it's, it's a concept of humility, saying that he is God and I am not. And I'm going to praise you for who you are and who I'm not. and I'm going to look to you, not myself. So it's, it's a huge act of humility when we bless the Lord. It's an act of spiritual worship that goes beyond just singing songs, but it's an action in everyday life. It's, a, it's the way you carry yourself. It's an act of humility in each day. And so, um, the number one thing I want to talk about here is that you can't bless God unless you are God's. Here's what I mean by that. That only as God has blessed sinners in the heavenly realms can they bless the Lord in a manner that pleases Him. Here's what I mean by that. You know, if you're not a Christian and you go to church every now and then and sing some songs, uh, or you go to a youth event once and every once now and then, but you never really fully commit to God and give your life to Him, you really can't bless him the way the Bible Bible's talking about. And, and it, when I when I heard that concept, I was like, well, how, how's, how can I relate that to our life today? And here's kind of what I came up with. You know, singing to God and sending up a prayer every now and then without ever giving your life over to him is kind of a slap in the face. It's almost saying that I like some things about God, but I don't love you because I'm not fully committing to you. You know, I'm not going to give you my whole life. I'll give you, you know, one little Sunday or one event here and there, I'm not giving my whole life to you." So it's almost like you'd be dating somebody for years and years, but then never actually wanting to marry them. Um, and, and so that's kinda of what I thought about in our 21st century mindset. You know, if you were dating somebody for five years and you went on dates every now and then and you gave them gifts and you were nice and sweet to them, and that, would go, that would go really well for a while. You know, say you're 25, 30 years old, and at that time where you're looking to possibly get married and start your life together, and you know that person wants to be in that relationship, that, that marriage, that commitment. But you're just kind of having fun. You're just dating and having fun. Well, after so long, those gifts and those nice gestures kind of don't have as much of a meaning anymore until that commitment comes. Until the ring comes, the rest of it doesn't matter anymore. You know? <laughs> and so I kind of thought about it <laughs> in, that, in that aspect. You know, we're looking at our Christian life. It's kind of the same thing is true with God. You know, if you're going to come every now and then to church, every now and then to an event, you're going to sing and praise, but you never actually really commit to Him. You're just kind of dating or flirting, but you're not committing. And after a while, those events don't really mean a lot to God because he knows that deep down your heart's not his and not with him. And so those acts are almost a slap in the face uh, with anything else. And so it's an interesting concept when you think about blessing God you, know, you have to make sure that if you are going to bless God, we're going to go about doing this. We have to actually be His and be fully committed. And then in that loving relationship, through that commitment and that internal relationship, then our acts of praise and adoration and thankfulness start to bless Him. I think it's an interesting concept. And so I came up with just three kind of small ways. that uh, There's a lot of ways you can bless God, but three kind of key ways you can bless God tonight. If you are a Christian, you are His. And number one is to acknowledge Him. And I put acknowledging who God is and including Him in every aspect of your life. A lot of times, you know, we, even as Christians, we get in the habit of saying, well, yeah, I know who God is, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, you know, I go to church. But in our everyday life, do you really acknowledge Him? And here's what I mean by that. You know, when you're at work and you're working in an environment with a lot of non-believers, or you're at school with a lot of your friends that are non-believers, do you still act the same way you do on Sunday mornings? Or do you act totally different around them because you're kind of ashamed to share your faith and to really live out what you have been called to live out? You know, do you if you have your friends in a circle kind of gossiping about somebody or cursing or saying things they shouldn't, you just kind of join alone because it's the easy thing to do and you don't want to offend them or make them mad? Or do you stand up for what you believe in because you're acknowledging that God is who I'm putting my trust in? God is the one I'm kneeling down to and submitting to. Um... And I said that before you make decisions in life, you seek his wisdom on how to move. I think one of the biggest things um, we miss in our culture today is we're so career-oriented and passion-driven and money-driven sometimes, and we just make decisions on what's rational in our mind, what seems the best to us. You know, if this job makes more money, and this job, you know, provides me with a a nicer area to live in, then it must be the right thing for me. Or, you know, if if this hobby or this profession makes me happy, then this must be the right thing for me. And maybe it is a good hobby or maybe maybe it is a good job. But do you spend the time praying to God first and saying, God, is this what you want for me? Is this also your desire for me? Is this also what you have in plan for me? Because although maybe this job makes less money, and maybe it's not in its desirable location, maybe God knows if you take this job here, He's going to use you to minister to people in that area more. He's going to use you to bless him and to bless his kingdom. And so we have to yield everything to him before we make big decisions in life, before we make decisions about things, you know, just because we think it's rational. Sometimes God is unrational because his rationality is not necessarily human rationality. But His ways are better than ours. And so we have to yield to him. And I say you don't just acknowledge him on Sunday mornings and then ignore him the rest of the week. And that's kind of what I mean by that. You know, if you're coming to, if we all on Sunday mornings, you know, sing hymns and listen to a message and in and, and a lot of ways acknowledge God. But if we're only doing that on Sunday mornings and the rest of the week we live a different life or never even think about God and we don't do our, you know, our reading or our praying and we're not witnessing and we're not really acknowledging God the way we should. It's almost like if you're in a relationship with somebody and, you know, on, maybe on Sundays you spent time with them and date, you, you dated them and you. Or nice to them and loving to them within the rest of the week you just totally ignored them and went out with your friends and you know were doing hobbies and activities and so in your job that you never ever spent time with them and the relationship would not be a very sustainable relationship you know gracie she likes when i acknowledge her and i post about her on facebook or instagram uh she likes that kind of thing uh, she, um, I, I, i'm not a huge poster and you know uh, as far as like personal life stuff but I know Gracie likes it, so I'm trying to do that more now. Um, but she likes for me to just acknowledge her, you know, to my friends and those around her, to you know, to say, that hey, you know, I'm proud of having her as my wife, and I'm glad that she's my wife. It's the same thing is true with um, our Christian life. You know, God wants you to talk about him, to acknowledge him to your friends, to acknowledge him to your family. know, if you only talk about him in church with other believers, but then you go around your family and friends that aren't believers for the rest of the week and never talk about him, you know, he's kind of, he, he, under, he sees that, and that's in a way it's ignoring him and, and it's being ashamed of who he is and why you have that relationship with him. If you have that relationship and you know what he's done for you through his son Jesus, be proud of that. Be excited about what he's done for you what he can do for your friends and your family and acknowledge him to them by the way you talk about him, the way you do things, and the way you live your life. And um, number two, if you want to bless God, we bless God through worship. This is one of the more common things we think about. Um, But here's one thing I thought about. that When you're at a football game or a hockey game or baseball game, you want to praise the team you support. You know, we we like to, we scream loud. uh, We call them out by name. We let them know that we have their back. Um, So when we think about church, you know, we barely move our lips and we rarely cry out to God uh, to praise Him. You know, I'm a huge sports fan. I love going to games and I love going to um, the events and things like that. And I'll cheer on my team and I'm really loud and passionate and you know, I'll call out people's names and you know, say, hey I, I got you, you got this, you know, and encourage them and support them and things like that. But then, you know, we think about our church life, you know, we're coming to admire God and to kneel down and to worship him. You know, a lot of times we look halfway dead because we don't really we don't really want to be there. And and, and we're more excited about the game that comes on at twelve PM than the than the church services at ten. And so <laughs> I think that sometimes you have to think about that and you know, swallow the pill of humility there and think about, you know, are our hearts really in the right place? Because if our desire is really for God, and you know, He's our main admiration and desire in life, then um, we're going to be excited to come to church. It's going to be what we look forward to throughout the week, being with other believers and praising His name. Because so we know that when we come to church, we get filled up by His Word and by His Spirit. We can encourage other believers. They can encourage us. Uh, And as I've grown in my faith and as I've grown in life, you know, I was in in high school, you know, some of them didn't really care about coming to church on Sunday mornings because uh, I I just wanted to go home and play video games or, you know, hang out with my friends or go to sports practice. But as I've grown grown older, I've seen the benefits of being in church, not just because you get fed yourself, you can also pour out to others and you share things in Sunday school with people and you find out struggles from other people and you, you share your struggles and all of a sudden you have People praying for you and supporting you and encouraging you. And there's a huge benefit then of coming to church. And so I've really grown to look forward to church. And not just because I'm teaching now, but because of the great benefit I can bless others and people can bless me. And you're in the family of God. And that's a great deal. You know, we get excited about going to sports greeners with our other fans that that support our same team. We get excited and pumped up together. We have that same kind of passion, or just a little bit of that passion and energy on Sunday mornings. And we praise God with that kind of passion, that energy. Other people around would want to say, hey, what's going on with garden?" they got all this energy and this passion. we got to check this out. Because when you go by, you know, Bridgestone Arena and in a high Predators game or Nissan Stadium, especially the outside arenas, you see all these people screaming and yelling and happy and giving high fives and handshakes and talking to one another. You're like, man, I don't like this team. I kind of want to be a part of that. I want to see what's going on. You know, this looks like a fun, a fun time. You know, people came by church and saw us, you know, hugging one another and happy, excited to see one another and – you know, praising God and just passionate and excited to be there, they're going to say, "Oh, maybe, maybe I should check this out, too. It looks like a good time. And then we can show them the truth and why we have this joy in our lives. You know, it's human nature, Oh, well, actually I'll put here that the more you admire someone, the more your passion, your worship is. Um, you know, diehard sports fans in concert, people go crazy to see the people that they admire. Uh, but if we have passion like that for God, it spreads like wildfire. You know, back in the Bible, when you have. Uh, the disciples in Jesus' time, they were so on fire for God and so passionate. They were willing to sacrifice their lives and everything for the gospel because of their passion for him and that and the willingness to even die for him. Even people that weren't Christians in that Roman culture thought, maybe there's something to this. These people are willing to die for this, and they're that passionate. that They don't even care what happens to them to share the gospel. Maybe there's some truth behind this, and the gospel spread like wildfire. And then we are, here we are today. Uh, thousands of years later still talking about these stories and and the truth that's in the gospel. But worship also roots from a spirit of thankfulness. You know, I think if we can be in the habit of thinking through all the blessings God bestowed upon us each day and giving him thanks for that, it again puts us back in that kneeling, that humility state to say, God, I'm gonna give I'm giving this day back to you. You know, maybe I did a lot of great things in my job today, or maybe I did a lot of great things at school or in my sports team or my activity. But instead of, at the end of the day, sitting back and thinking about how proud I am of Bradley and what, I, what Bradley's accomplished, say, God, thank you for allowing me to do this today. Thank you for giving me the energy to wake up this today to do this. Thank you for giving me the motivation to get that paper done. And, and thank you for letting me help my friend out today or whatever it is. If you can sit, stop and just reflect a little bit each day and think about all the things that God helped you do that day, all the things that God uh, gave you that day, and again, puts the blessing and praise back on him instead of ourselves. You the reflection is biblical, and it's needed. You know, and it's also human nature to focus on the negative, but we shouldn't give in to human nature because we're gods, and we, we have to fight against that. You know, a lot of times when we have a bad day, it's easy just to focus on the negative. And that's what it's hard sometimes to praise and, and, and give blessings back to God. Because we're like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did this happen today? Why did, why did this not go right? Why did I not get this job? Why did, why did I not succeed in this area? You know, why, why, why? It was easy to get in that negative complaining state. But if you really stop and reflect on those days, and it's harder on those days, if you stop and think, you can still see small blessings even in the worst of your days. You can still see, you know, God woke me up today. You know, God gave me breath today. You know, I was still able to eat food. I'm not in a third world country where I don't know if I'm going to survive the next day. You know, I, I have food, I have nourishment, I have a family. And I woke up today and I was married to, a, to my wife and my husband. I have kids. You know, things like that. You can think about little things that you're blessed every single day. And if you just, at the end of the day, you know, give thanks to God for that, it again will remind you of where your focus should be. And lastly, uh, and I think this is one of the hardest ones, but one of the most important ways we can bless God is by sacrifice. And here's what I mean by that. When we talk about sacrificing to God, a lot of times we get a picture of like one extreme or the other. We kind of think about either we have to all die for God or like we have to give all this money. You know, it's kind of a, one or the other sometimes in church. And uh, sacrificing, uh, when God talks about in Romans 12, 1 through 2, he says, Do not conform to the powers of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may discern what is good, holy, pleasing, and acceptable. He asks us to present our, it says in Romans, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. It doesn't. A living sacrifice is not somebody that's dead, okay? Uh, now, obviously, you know, in some cases, you know, your faith could lead to death. But most of the time it doesn't uh, in, in America, because we're in a country that we're allowed to, you know, express our faith in that way. But to be a living sacrifice means that, as you live your life, as you go back your daily activities, as you go to your job every day, as you go to school every day, you give it to God and you live for Him. You put Him first in what you do. You put Him first in the decisions you make, and, and you fully submit to Him. And, and, and the way you do that, and sometimes we, in church we can get in the habit of saying that, well, if you want to give back to God, then you have to give Him money. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. You know, the church needs money to grow and to do things and to advance. And then tithing is biblical, and it's a good concept. But I wrote this the other day. I wanted to share it with you guys about sacrifice, because a lot of times, I know if you're in youth or in college or you know, middle school age, you, know, you don't have a lot of money to give to the church necessarily, unless you're making a bunch of allowance money, which you probably not, uh, if, you're like, if you're like me. And so you kind of think, well, what, what do I have to offer? What, how do I become a living sacrifice? What do I give to God? You know, how do I bless Him in that way? So I wrote this. I want to share it with you guys. I said, one of the most troubling concepts for new believers can be the concept of tithing. They experience the love of Christ and they're filled with a fire to start their new life living for Him. And then the church begins to hammer them the concept of tithing. For those that are well off financially, this may be a non issue. But for a, a young new believer, this can be this drowning in bills and debt. Tithing can seem like an impossible task and quickly damper that fire. They are left feeling like they will never meet the expectations of the church in this area and thus they're a failure in their Christian life. Every time the offering plate passes them on Sunday morning, they feel the glare of the congregation as they once again cannot put anything in it. In addition to this, many churches put a huge emphasis on tithing in order for the church to grow. We have huge campaigns to raise money and stress the importance of giving financially as if the state of the church depends on it. Those that give more to the church seem to have more say in how the church runs and receive more attention and care than others. Very quickly, the church can become a place of power for the rich and a place of sadness for the poor. The concept can easily come across as if the church will only grow and be successful if we give financially to it. Money becomes our focus and all our actions follow suit. So in saying this, I said, tithing does not does have a very important place in the church, and we should give back what we can financially to God, whom has blessed us. When the church has money, they're able to provide tangible needs for the community and a safe, clean environment for those to worship in. The church can also do more outreach events to seek to draw others in into the love and forgiveness of Jesus. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. These gifts were a reminder that everything belonged to God, and a portion was given back to God to thank Him for what they had received. Jesus then later says, I want you guys to catch this next part here. Then Jesus addresses the issue of tithing, and being a living sacrifice, and this continues on into our verses in Romans and things like that. He says, "What to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dealing, and, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law—justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former." What's important to note here: Jesus doesn't diminish tithing, but he does spend the concept on its head. He challenges and calls out the religious leaders for value and tithing above the more important matters in our Christian life. Sure, giving to the church financially is helpful and very much appreciated, but you can have the biggest church in town and also be the most dead church in town spiritually. Jesus is saying he prefers the person who gives themselves to him over the one that only gives their money to him. God has given each person unique gifts and abilities. These are of far more value than anything financially. Jesus is calling us to give what he has given us for his glory. This is the greatest gift we can give him, at, give him, which is our life. This is how we truly begin to bless him. We may not be able to give a check every week in the offering plate, but if we can give ourselves each and every day to Jesus, that's what truly blesses him in the church. The church grows when the people are giving themselves, not just their money to it, in order me to Christ. Outsiders begin to see a spirit in the church they don't have, and they're drawn in. They see a body of people using their gifts, times, and talents for a purpose that is far greater than words can describe and that is something they want to be a part of. They long to join that community. Outreach events are worthless if people come to church and leave after one Sunday because of the hypocritical culture and the lack of love they experience when entering. Our focus as a church needs to be on glorifying Him the best way we can, and the best way to do that is by using our gifts and abilities for His kingdom. This is what we should be focusing on when the new believer comes into the church. How can we help them understand the gifts and abilities they've been given, and how can they use those for the kingdom of God? When our focus is on glorifying Him, the impact that the church has on the community will grow, and God will begin to bless the church in a way we never saw imaginable. And I think if you um, think about that in your life today, especially if you're a young person, uh, and you know maybe you don't have a lot of money to give right now, God's given each one of you unique gifts and abilities. You know, some can sing, some can preach, uh, some can uh, reach others that I can't reach. Maybe you're really good at video games and you have a, a great gift in that. Maybe you have ability to reach those in that community. Maybe you're really athletic and you have a platform in sports to reach out and to talk to people. You know, each one is, is gifted in some way or another. Now, I want you guys to think about in 2022, what am I gifted in? What am I talented in? And if I want to really truly bless God, how do I turn those over to him? How do I use that for his glory? One example I used, I think mean, it was two weeks ago, was Chris and Carrie. You know, they love coffee. That was They're really passionate about it. Chris and Carrie are very good at that, uh, and they really enjoy that. So they thought, how can I bless God through this? And they took their coffee company and put a Christian spin on it and, and, and used it as a way to witness to people while also having the business and, and making a profit. And so think about what are you passionate about? What is something God's gifted you in? What do you, what do you love doing? How do I take that and turn it to him and use it for his glory? Because if you can do that, that's the greatest gift you can give God is the gift he's already given you. And um, as we conclude here, uh, just two things. As I said, can you give up your time to him and move where he calls you to move? Do you value him above anyone and anything else? And when you truly are a living sacrifice for God, it means that, I'm willing to go wherever he calls me to go and do whatever he calls me to do. Not because it's necessarily what I think is the best route, but because I trust his plans greater than mine. And I know he'll be with me. He'll be guiding me the entire time. And he'll bless me through that. And in return, I'll also bless him. And the impact I'll make will be an eternal impact for his kingdom. And I want to leave you guys with this verse. I stumbled upon this verse, and I've heard it before, but... I guess it just never really caught my attention like it did uh, a few months ago. And actually, I printed this verse out. and I put it on my office desk at work. Uh, and each day now, I try to read this verse. Uh, and in a way, pray that verse back to God. Because this verse, it really spoke to me about being a living sacrifice and being the person I should be. And I think it will help you guys as well. It's in Psalms 139. And this one we'll conclude with here. And if you turn to Psalms 139, it is in... Uh, Verses 23 and 24, and this is a a great verse. Like I said, if you want to do what I did, to print it off, put it somewhere you can see it. It's a great it's a great prayer to God each and every day for your life, and it's and it says this: "Search me, O God, and know my heart; try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." You know, those, those those are really powerful, powerful words. And so, like I said, I, I try to pray that every day now and really think about that. And I don't always live up to that. Um, but I know if I, can, if I can start to be that kind of person that has asked God to lead me in the way everlasting, to search me, to see if, you know, the, what, what I'm doing is for Bradley's glory or for God's glory, and to lead me in his way instead and search after him instead. If I can start to do that every day in my life, I know I'll start to bless him, be the person he's called me to be, and you will as well. So I'll say it one more time as we can close. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just pray that as we go about our week, uh, and even in our lives, Lord, we start to put you first in all that we do. That when things get in the way, like hobbies and sports and jobs, and even people at times, Lord, that we don't get so caught up in things of this world we forget to look to you god and to and forget to honor you and to live out what you called us to lord you've given each of us great gifts and abilities things that, ways that we can minister to people that maybe others can't and you know that god and ask that we turn those over to you that we seek to read your word each day to pray to witness to others and to be used by you in the way you desire to use us lord and we know that it will matter for all eternity When we get to heaven, we'll never regret that decision, Lord. In the glory's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you.